This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Restored. Brought back to life. That idea that life, so much of it is difficult. And I, and I had a, a dear parishioner send me a wonderful sermon that another pastor did. And, and this pastor said, you know where our struggle is? We all struggle, and I love this phrase, with orphan hearts. Is that beautiful or what? With orphan hearts. Because I think we do. I know I do. I, I imagine a lot of you do as well. And how is it that, it, that in those that we, we start to, to find in, in, in faith not a set of certainty, not a bunch of propositions where we can go like, oh yeah, this I know cert- with certainty, like a mathematical formula, but a different kind of certainty, a different kind of restoration of our souls, something incredibly beautiful, and incredibly powerful. Are you willing to join me in that journey for the next, like, 40 minutes? Yes. So, with this journey, folks, I want to go back to this to this ancient, ancient, ancient text written thousands of years ago. Now, now the Bible, again, I say this, but I know we have some first-time people. I've already been privileged to meet some of you here today. To see the Bible, and to see this Bible not as, as like this recipe, like this is how you do it, but to see this Bible in terms of how people have poetically been wrestling with faith for thousands of years, and that's what makes it beautiful. To see that wrestling. Martha Graham, famous dancer. The angels of God, the angels of God, wrestled and grew strong. They chose and they acted. I think that's what we're here to do. We're here to wrestle with this stuff, but it's a good wrestling. It's a life-giving thing where we try to come to terms with life on life's terms and find a way to live and move forward in this incredibly sacred thing that we call this life. Right here, right now, today. So I want to take you back thousands of years. This is like 3,000-year-old text. And this goes back to Isaiah. Isaiah is one of my favorite books to preach out of because Isaiah, as many of you know, was called the Poet Laureate of Hope. 3,000 years ago. And this is what we're going to start with, the simple text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And this is Isaiah saying this. High and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him calling were angels seraphim. And they were calling to... Please say those last two words. They were calling to... So you got to keep that calling to one another. And what they said was, please say those words, three of them. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. For those of us who were raised in church, there's a famous song. Remember it? Back in the day, no, look, I don't remember that song. That's fine. You know Amos Lee, that's good. But holy, 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 an old, old, old hymn. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now I want to take a minute And just look at this, just leave this text up for a second and look at it and talk about it. Life is kind of divided into two parts. Into two parts. Now I'm going to jump back and forth to the carpets here. One part of life is this part of what is. What is. This is my life right here today. And for many of you, that life that you bring through these doors, mine included, has a lot of parts to it that are broken. 
Notice how this starts. King Uzziah died. Now, now we read that today and it's like, oh, that's ancient literature that feels blah, blah, blah. But, but that's a signal to the reader of 3,000 years ago. The king at that time was the, was the judge, jury, executioner. In many ways, he was regarded as God on earth. Literally, Uzziah's name was God with us. So when it says this king, this incredibly wealthy king, this incredibly powerful king, and you, you actually can look up the history of the guy, you know, he had a whole kingdom. When it says he died, it's a falling away. It's of all the certitudes of life leaving. Life no longer what we thought it was. So there's always this tension between what is and then the tension as well over here of what could be where we step into this place of what could be and how could life look. And all good stories have that tension between what is and what could be. And you see that part coming in here. Well, you see angel seraphim, that's interesting, right? So if you have this idea of angels and the word angel means messenger, seraphim was this ancient creature that was part of all that, calling to one another, calling holy, holy, holy. This picture of angels looking over at what is, Looking at it, circling around it, and going, holy, holy, holy. I think we can start to see incredible power in those words, incredible stories. And I feel like most of us folks, most of us in this room, we're stuck in both. Part of my life grabs on to what is and all the challenges, and part of me just yearns for what could be. Could I get an amen? amen. <laughs> we kind of are stretched between those two. Is that stretching comfortable? No, <laughs> it's not comfortable at all. It's very uncomfortable. It's hard. And, and that's where, again, like with this topic of, of hope and hope restored, we can't come into it and, and kind of handle it in a glib way. You know, when we were talking about this in our sermon writing team, one of the one of our team members said, you know, Chuck, I hate the word hope. And, and I, I get what she's saying, because hope can be misused so much that, that this hope can be used to sort of discount what is. And believe that somehow we're living over here when we know we're not. And we know that what is, is deeply challenging. So the word for hope in Hebrew, gadosh, gadosh, gadosh. You win scrabble with that word. Let's say that together. Gadosh, gadosh, gadosh. Holy, holy, holy. I want to share with you some short stories. And then I'm going to ask you to share some stories in the audience so we can start to see how this works. Start to see how this calling and this, this idea of hope and this idea of holy, holy, holy works. The first story, story number one, stepping into it. A week ago, I got to do my son's wedding. Highly recommend that if you get the chance. Just beautiful. Four days ago. My new daughter-in-law, 
gets honored by a hospital for helping a stroke patient, and it says, Julie Blair. It's like, it really happened. I wasn't imagining it. Kadosh. 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 Story number two. Little funeral for beloved dad, Harry. 90 years old. Worked till he was 88. Is that varsity or what? His two sons sharing with me. You know, dad said he had to get us one last Christmas present. What did he get you? He got us drones. Kadosh. 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 Story number three. Being in a hotel, working on some things with New Church Live, working on some business things, meeting with some dear friends. And I hear, as I'm working on some things, I hear the cleaner come into the room beside me. I was all excited on Expedia, and I found a $47 a night hotel. Yes, that is holy. $47 a night hotel, but the walls were rather thin. And I hear them come in, and they're speaking a language I don't know. But I could tell by the tone that this is obviously an older gentleman. And he's obviously got FaceTime or Skype or some things that your kids know more about than you do on his phone. And he's obviously talking to a toddler grandson or granddaughter. And they're just smiling and laughing as he cleans the room. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. And the final story, story number four. Could pick any number of things from yesterday. As we celebrated a parishioner, for those of you who are here for the first time, we had a funeral yesterday for a parishioner, Minwa. And there were so many days where it's like, oh, holy. 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 And some of the parts were poignant in their, in their, in their laughter and their joy. A, a son remembering his mom, you know, they're on their way to school and she's trying to get him to listen to Hooked on Phonics and he's trying to hit the pop radio station. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. And then the way that day closed with us sharing a dinner together, all these people, from all these different cultures and all these different places. Listen. The angels circling. The angels calling to each other. The angels calling to each other. Holy. 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 And what I'd like for you to do is to have that same experience. I've asked some of you, sort of some plants in the audience, what was a holiness you observed this week? And it doesn't have to be big. I mean, I think holiness, again, is seeing that cute little girl rocking the flamingo shirt. 
But what was that moment where when you think back to it now, you see holy, holy, holy. And as you're listening, I want you to actively listen. I want you to listen to it as angels calling. Holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Let me grab my mic here. And we have a volunteer who's going to go first. And then if you'd like to say, you may raise your hand. Just you know, Mary usually joins us from Las Vegas. So she is both lucky and we're lucky to have her here today. Is it all? There we go. There we go. Okay. So um, March the 26th marked the 19th anniversary of my father's death. My sister called me and said, I don't know why, but I'm really struggling this year with dad's death. It's really hitting me hard and I don't know why. You know, I really feel him. And four days later, her grandson was born, James. And she sent me a picture of him and I called her and said, look at the picture you just sent me. Who does he look like? (laughs) And she went, oh, my God. So right there. I mean, it was, you know, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, right? Like, like what else else can you say? But just holy, holy, holy. It would be my mother holding her great-grandson for the first time on Easter Sunday and seeing um, pure joy, really for the first time in a long time, on her face. Say it together, three words, folks. Okay, so Friday I was watching four of my grandchildren, and I'm cuddled up with three of the three boys. My granddaughter comes home. She's eight years old from school. Jumps on the sofa in front of me and says, Gigi, I had to write something for school, and I wrote you a letter. And so she opens it, and she is reading me this beautiful letter that she wrote for me about how her week went. So, Folks, let's say it again. Well, in heaven, there is no actual time, so I'm going to go back a little bit further than a week. Um, And it was Maundy Thursday, and um, we spent five hours watching. I did, watching my daughter take stem cells from her body, and later that evening to pray over them, to have those stem cells hung, And then to watch that new life going from the bag into our son. And the Lord took me up into the corner of the room and I got to feel like I had angel eyes. To see new life being given to our son. And the circle of holiness was in that room was all of Jay and my children. And a pastor, because you all had Chuck here, and we have another loving pastor who gave us Holy Supper. 
and our son broke the bread, who had just received the new cells, and our daughter poured the wine. Holy, holy, holy. Get together again, folks. Holy, holy, holy. Can we think about life in those ways? As the band comes out, as the band comes out, let's think about that. Let's think about that connection to hope. That it's about, maybe about this circle that continues to expand. Holy, holy, holy. And maybe somehow that's a way where we can start to find hope restored. Life anew. The care and the love and the connectedness is God moving through us. And pretty much we get there. And all we can do is smile. Say, holy, holy, holy. So that idea of that tension we always live in between what is and, and what could be. And, and sometimes when we're really stuck in that tension, any idea of hope can feel a bit like an imposter. So I want to get again, at New Church Live, I really believe that, that each of us are experts in spiritual living. And we need a chance to share and hear with, hear from each other. To understand the lessons of the heart in ways that as a pastor, we're just really here to facilitate. So I've been working on this conference with this wonderful team. You heard Luke and Ann talk a bit about it. Wonderful group. Mary's here from that group as well. And it's, it's a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful workshop done with a bunch of different churches and nonprofits in the area getting together. Even that in a certain sense, holy, holy, holy. And Anne is part of this in talking to her. I heard what kind of work she does. She's a family practitioner as well. She works over at Abington Jefferson where she's, she's head of their hospice program. And I thought this is somebody who probably knows a few things about hope, including hope in situations that are incredibly difficult, where hope is not exactly the way we might have spelled it out, where that circle for hope has gotten small, and now our lives are living outside of that. And what is that like? And how can we help each other in those moments? Because inevitably life has those. So it's my honor and privilege to welcome Ann Tentoff to the stage. If you could please give her a warm round of applause. So, Anne, I'll let you get the nerves out just by saying hi. Hello. I cannot see anyone, so no. it actually makes it easier. It does, it, does make it, it does make it a little easier. This is the hard section, though. These are the, these are the real, right? okay. the really difficult so ones So, if right I here. expect any heckling, it should come it's, from it will right come, there. The heckling will come from right here. The heckling will come from right here. Um, so, Anne, first off, thank you for speaking with us today. It's my pleasure. And, and, you know, as you're thinking, like, you do a lot of great work, and obviously you love what you do. And, and the first time I met you, the second time I met you, I thought, She's going to speak at New Church Live, and I, I had a date, and we're all good. So here you are. And it's obviously you have a lot of love for what you do. I do. I yeah. feel very lucky every day that yeah. I have the job that I have. Yeah. And tell, tell me, just take a breath. Tell us about that. Um, so I'm a family physician. I have been practicing for almost 15 years now. 
Um, I've known I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little kid. Uh, my dad once let me remove stitches from him, and I was pretty much <laughs> set. I actually pulled the knot the wrong direction and wow. made everything worse. But um, that, that is not holy, 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 <laughs> just so we're aware. He was very supportive. Um, and I knew right then and there, I think I was six years old, that I wanted to be a doctor, and I've never really wavered. Um, I went into family medicine really because of the stories. We've been talking about that today. Um, I have people that I've been taking care of for their entire lives since the first day that I saw them in the hospital, mm -hmm. and now they're teenagers who are taller than me. I take care of their mothers, their aunts, their uncles, their best friends, their grandparents, and I get to weave these stories of their lives and their communities, and that becomes part of how I care for them, and that really is what I love about my job every day. That's good. So... And I, I love the idea you and I were talking about, you know, this idea of threshold wisdom, right? Which is this beautiful concept. And what I think about a lot, and as a, as a pastor, I get to experience some. As a doctor, you get to experience it even more than I do. And threshold wisdom is, is we come to those thresholds, those transitions in life. And oftentimes, hospice care can be part of that transition. And it's, it's where we have a time where a whole lot less matters. But what matters, matters a whole lot more. And... Sort of what do you tend to see at, that, at those threshold moments when people are coming to those, those thresholds, those, those points where medical care looked like this and now it has to look like this? And what do you, what do you kind of see? What, what are some of the patterns you might see? Well, I think there's kind of a continuum. There is so much that we do in medicine, and the question often comes, should we be doing these things? Um, I, I first became involved in palliative care and hospice when I was in the intensive care unit as an intern. Um, there was a patient who was very, very sick, and they just kept running tests and doing things, and the family kind of kept asking, why? Why are we doing this? Isn't it time to just let her go and to be at peace? And that was when I realized that as physicians, we're not really taught anything about that. Our job is to, to heal, and when we have failed at healing, we truly feel that we've failed, and that death is as much a part of life as everything else. And I, I felt like I needed to be able to provide services for people when they felt that they, that they were at a place of hopelessness. And that's really what I see every day is families who have struggled with decisions and, and loved ones who have struggled with diseases that can often be very trying on their body, financially trying, emotionally exhausting, and they've lost hope, but they just keep doing what they're told to do. Um, and I think that transition from saying, okay, enough, it's, it's time to lay down your burden and it's time to focus instead on comfort is, is a really difficult transition for people to make. And that's what I see a lot of is just that difficulty with being able to let go of everything that medicine has to offer and changing that focus to just focusing on comfort and love. And, and with that, and like, like for yourself, what do you find when you step into that place? What do you feel like you want to bring to that place? I'm going to ask you to take another breath here. What do you feel like you can bring to that place? Um, I think I try to bring, I, I really do try to bring hope. Um, allowing people to realize that so many people, there's a lot of guilt that's really involved with end-of-life issues. Um, was I a good enough son? Did I do enough? Did I find it early enough? Why didn't I go see this doctor instead of this doctor? Or why didn't I um, take my health more seriously when I was 22? Um, a lot of, of, of guilt that comes in, and then family members' guilt. I didn't spend enough time with my mother. I wasn't there for her. I didn't 
um, we fought about whatever stupid thing we fought about. So there's so much guilt that's involved. So being able to let that go and to be able to focus on whatever time it is that a person has left. And I think that's what I really try to explain, that our focus is we're not giving up on a patient. We're not saying that there's nothing to be done. One of the things that I often say is, yes, there is something we can do. We're just changing that focus, that focus from trying to cure something that we know we can't cure to allowing nature to take its course, but to make sure that you have as much comfort and joy in the time that you have left. Now, the last question I have for you. Take another breath. <sighs> you know, when, when we were talking about holy, 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 and about those precious moments, was there something in particular that came to your mind? Yeah, this is just a holy moment that I get to experience again and again and again. This is where I see holy, holy, holy. Um, in particular, with hospice, I get to, s I, I've been with so many people in their last breaths over the last 15 years. And that, in and of itself, is really an honor and a privilege for me to be able to be with patients as they're, they're passing and to then be able to be with their families and to embrace them and to give them the support that they need and to kind of allow them all to let it go is really special for me, and it's one of the things that I love the most about what I do. And thank you so much. Give her a warm round of applause, folks. So you can hear in that, you can hear in that, that, that beautiful expansion of the circle, like and how, I think that's so much, like what we're trying to do, and that's so much what Hope Restored is, is it's taking this circle of hope, taking this circle of holiness and continuing to expand it, just one step at a time, just one iteration at a time. To try to allow that to encompass our lives more and more and more to the point, to the point, as New Church theology phrases it, where the universe becomes one work connected together as one thing beginning to end. Where it's not just circling this own little pattern in our life, but we see holy, holy, holy circling the world. Very different way to live. I mean, just imagine, folks, imagine, like, going into a trying circumstance, and probably everyone in, everyone in here has one coming up this week. All right, taxes are due. You have one coming up this week. And can you even look at those situations where you're like, yeah, this is going to be hard. Holy, holy, holy. Can you maybe start to see it like this? That this is a bridge we cross. I'm going to have you say the C word there. This is a bridge we cross, we cross from to a, to a mutuality, from certainty to a mutuality. And, and that idea, like we, we want our lives certain, but that isn't how it's going to work. And so when we, when we have to bump that circle out, what do we do? Well, it, it's, it's, it's so easy, right, to think that there's a program, but there isn't. What there is is mutuality where our deep interconnectedness guides us. That's why I'm always interested when people say like, well, these are the five things never to say, or these are the five things always to say. And I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't got an answer there. I don't. I just know be with. 
Just beware. Somehow that deep interconnectedness will guide you. That's how God works. That's that peace. The angels calling to each other. In the times this week that were hard, said more than I ever have said from this stage. Pharma. Holy, holy, holy. And then we get hope restored as we draw the bigger circle, calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. And that idea, folks, of holiness, that idea of what that holiness is, is that word also means sanctuary. I love that idea. That this is what we're trying to create. We're trying to create a beautiful sanctuary for our lives, a beautiful sanctuary for the way world, the way, the way the world can work, a sanctuary that can draw people in. And it's, it's not hope that has like necessarily objectives in it, but it's, but it's a posture. It's where, where somebody comes in and they're like, I don't know what I felt in that place, but I know I felt hope. I'm not sure what was said. I don't remember the exact words, but I remember I was sitting there and there's all these people and the angels are circling and all I felt was just hope. Christ said, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you. Even to the end of the age. And join with me in this last line. Say it from your souls. And the angels circled. Calling to each other. Amen. We're now going to close the service with a final prayer. And now we're going to have a great last song to just, just kind of like get us in that place of that, that place of deep centeredness, that place of hope, that place of seeing the world for all the holiness that lies within it. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you for the beautiful sharing from Anne and the incredible work that she does. Thank you, Lord, as well for your presence throughout this week a week that was filled with beautiful times. And as well, Lord, filled with broken hearts and challenges as well. Help us, Lord, through all of this, to continue to expand that circle. To know that in expanding it, it doesn't mean that life is easy or that there aren't challenges or that there are not heartbreaks because there are. But allow us even in those places to call to one another. To witness in one another. To support in one another. To hold in one another. The deep holiness that is your creation. Picturing Lord again from the story of creation. 
your breath breathed across the waters. Your spirit, the Ruach, that calls us to life. That calls us to see. And to see it all as holy, holy, holy. And Lord, as we lift up our voices and song and inspiration at the end of this service, allow us to go out this week with a simple commitment that wherever we are, as best we can, we'll expand that circle one step more. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 